0: Welcome. You are listening to Copland. Copland is about the life and times of our protectors and defenders. Police, fire, EMS, medical trauma units, and the military. The underappreciated doing the unthinkable for the often ungrateful. I am Jay Dobbins, and I'll be your host. In each season, we will hear three episodes featuring extraordinary heroes. Amazing personal experiences that will inspire and uplift you. Sometimes they might shock you the highs and lows, the successes and the failures, told in their own words, and all experienced during their personal journey of sacrifice to make the world a safer place. This is COPPA.
1: From the time El Chapo was arrested and brought to New York for trial, authorities suspected he would try to play up his own role as a narco saint, donating millions to social and community projects in Sinaloa, the state namesake of his cartel. Are you familiar with Jesus Malverde? He is the patron saint of drug cartels and traffickers. According to Mexican folklore, the Robin Hood figure stole from the rich and gave to the poor. The popularity of the generous bandit is seen in statues, trinkets, and other icons sold throughout the region and frequently found in drug dealers' vehicles and homes to bring good luck and perhaps ward off law enforcement. Some of them even morph El Chapo's face onto Malverde's clothing as if the two are one but the question of Jesus Malverde stands out as a symbol of just how curious El Chapo's case is. It isn't even known whether Malverde was an actual person, but he has a shrine in Sinaloa and numerous chapels in his name in Mexico and Colombia. In many cases, law enforcement on both sides of the border assume that Malverde images are an indicator of involvement with drug cartels.
0: The recent trial of Joaquin Guzman Lorera, better known to the rest of us as Cartel Kingpin El Chapo, highlighted the misdirected worship of Christian saints by drug traffickers for their protection. Robert Almonte is the world's foremost expert on the patron saints of drug cartels. He began his 25-year career with the El Paso Police Department as a patrol officer, a narcotics investigator, later as a captain over investigations and finishing as the deputy chief. He then served six years as the United States Marshal for Western Texas. As a young detective, Robert first became aware of the saints revered by drug dealers.
2: Early on in my career as a narcotic detective, we would uh, execute search warrants these uh, street-level dealers, and uh, and most of what we would find would be uh, heroin and cocaine and small, small uh, amounts of marijuana. But, uh, I remember uh, hitting these houses, clearing the house, and making them safe and secure, and then. Uh, I would notice these uh table with a bunch of candles, uh, prayer candles and uh prayer statues and prayer cards and all kinds of things and uh uh so something just drew drew me to the to the table and I just started looking at it and uh I immediately recognized a lot of the prayer candles uh, being a catholic uh recognize the candles of the Virgin Mary and Saint Jude and other Catholic saints and then of course uh prayer candles for Jesus Christ and statues of Jesus Christ and uh and I just looked around there and, and uh and I noticed uh, a little baggie uh behind a statue of Jesus Christ and I pulled it out and it was a it was full of balloons containing heroin. And right behind the statue of Jesus Christ and uh and place the, uh, the heroin dealer under under arrest, and and then I, you know, I'm a little um, surprised and I'm kind of offended that she would be hiding the heroin behind the statue of Jesus Christ. And I asked her, uh, how come you have the heroin behind the statue of Jesus Christ? <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and she says, um, well, he's supposed to protect me from you. And that struck me like, oh, wow. Uh, you know, really? She really believes this? And then, uh, you know, I couldn't help it, so I told her, well, you know, I don't, I don't think it works. And then she raised her head, and she goes, yeah, I guess, I guess I need to pray harder. Now, that really struck me when she said that, and I go, okay. So she believes in in Jesus and the saints protecting her and her drugs. And also, that tells me, uh, her comment about that, she needs to pray harder that her belief is unconditional.
0: When he found a suspect's voodoo doll with his name attached, it became personal. And
2: then when it really hit home was the time that we hit a, a house of a heroin dealer who happened to be a bruja, which is a witch that are, are used by uh, by drug dealers for to put hexes on people, their enemy and police officers, and, uh, and, and things of that nature. And we had arrested her before. And, uh, we hit her house a second time, going to the house, and of course, find the, uh, table with the statues and the candles. And I walk up to the table, and I see, uh, I see a couple of things I'd never seen before, except in old Tarzan movies, a couple of voodoo dolls with pin in them, pieces of paper, writing on the paper. And i never seen that. That really struck me. And I, uh, I have a partner there in the room with me, and his name's, uh, Joe, and, uh, uh, Joe didn't like to look at this stuff. He said, no, I, I don't want to get near that stuff. You do it. Uh, so anyway, I picked up one of the voodoo dolls, and I read the writing, and I go, holy shit, Joe, your your name's on this. And he looked at me, and he thought I was messing with him, and he said, shut up, put that down. That's not funny. And I go, no, nah, man, I'm serious. Look at this shit. I walked up to him, and I showed him. He saw his name, and I saw that it really, really affected him. I said, oh, my God. Uh, so I could see how... Uh, This affects police officers, and that's why I talk about that during uh, my training. And then I go back and I I put the doll down, look at the second one, and then (laughs) saw that that one had my name. (laughs) And uh, from that point on, we're like, yeah, they're putting hexes on police officers as well. And and they're still doing that. They're still doing that. And and I I tell the officers, you need to take this seriously uh, because uh, my concern is not the supernatural aspect of any type of a hex or spell. My concern is going to be uh, the uh, to what extent will they go to make the heck come true?
0: San Ramon is a legitimate Catholic saint, but is prayed to by drug dealers as protection against informants.
2: He goes back to the uh, 1200s where uh, in Spain where his mom's pregnant with him, uh, but the, uh, the problem is, is she's dying and she's actually on her deathbed two weeks to give birth to the baby and she's surrounded by her loved ones and then she passes away and soon as she passed away, somebody in the room gets a dagger, cuts her open, removes the baby, and that baby would Ramon, and he survived, <clears throat> and so his birth is considered a miracle, and Ramon grows up, becomes a priest, Catholic priest, and what he dedicates his life to is raising money to pay ransom to the Muslims so that they'll release the Christian prisoners, and he's having some success doing that, and then eventually he ran out of money, so he decides to ransom himself to the Muslims in exchange for them releasing prisoners. <clears throat> While in custody... He began preaching to the Muslim guard, uh, converting several of them to Christianity, Catholicism. Uh, the Muslim leader warned him to to stop doing that. He continues doing that, and he's having a lot of success converting the Muslim guard to Catholicism. Well, the Muslim leader got got set up upset, so they brought him in. They got a hot iron poker and they poked a the hole through both of his lips and placed a padlock on his mouth, so he could no longer preach to the Muslims and convert them to Catholicism. So that was the story uh, uh, behind him. So with a lot of your Mexican midwives, they'll pray to San Ramon as the patron saint of childbirth, which which makes sense. The appeal for the criminals is going to be the padlock on his mouth. They pray to San Ramon to keep people uh, quiet about their criminal activity. They don't put a padlock on his mouth. Typically, uh, they'll just use a San Ramon candle or prayer card or statue. But sometimes, very often, what they'll do is they'll place a coin uh, any coin a, a nickel a penny or a dime on the on the face of San Ramon either on the candle or the prayer card and that represents covering up his mouth it's on his face but it re- represents covering up his his mouth and 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 when you see something like that then that that really removes all doubt you know they're praying to him to keep somebody uh quiet uh about something so his popularity is increasing throughout the United States as far as being used by uh, drug traffickers and other criminals.
0: Jesus Malverde is the drug traffickers' model for creating false loyalty in the communities in which they operate.
2: Yeah, Jesus Malverde was, was uh, actually the first uh, one that I began doing extensive research on. I went to visit his shrine, national shrine in Culiacan, Sinaloa, I believe in 2004, to do research on him and uh, went to his shrine. The story behind Je- Jesus Manresa is that he was, he's known as the Mexican virgin of Robin Hood. He would hide in the green brush wearing green camouflage, jump out, surprise the victim, rob them, and then whatever he got, he gave to the poor people. Uh, so, of course, he's very popular with the poor people, and the government eventually catches up to him, and they hang him from a tree, and and his hanging is, is witnessed by a lot of people, hundreds of people, and a lot of them poor people, uh, that they believe uh, Malabreza had helped him. And to, to be honest with you, his, his name was not Malabreza to begin with. Uh, I believe it, They believed his name was Jesus Juarez Marzo. And then um, they gave him the name uh, uh, uh They dropped the original rights to give him the name Malabreza because uh, they believed he was doing something uh, bad. Uh, so the Spanish word for bad is mal, and then the green, uh, camouflage, trademark, the uh, Spanish word for green is verde. So you combine uh, both of them, you have verde. So that's how he got that name. And then uh, he he's hung from a tree, and all the poor people, they're saying, you know, he died helping the poor people. Truly now he must be the angel of the poor. So that's actually his original title. And also, actually today you have people on both sides of the border that don't pray to him, as a narco saint, they pray to him as the angel of the poor, and that's why I caution officers to to be careful uh, with uh, calling him the narco saint. Now, how did he become the narco saint to some people? Uh, thirty between thirty forty years ago or so, law enforcement in Mexico began noticing some of the people they were arresting drug traffickers were in possession of images of Jesus Montero. They also had a little shrines for him in their homes, things of that nature. And uh it was believed that the uh drug traffickers adopted Jesus montebresde as their saint because they believed they're doing they were doing something similar to what Jesus monteresde did. Yeah, we're selling drugs, but we're doing a bad thing, but we're doing a bad thing for the right reason, and that's how a a drug trafficker like Chapo Guzman uh was loved or is loved by a lot of people there in Sinaloa because he actually did a lot for the poor people there. And that's why they, a lot of them, many of them adopt Jesus Montresor as the uh, as narco saint, as their patron saint. One of the most powerful cartels in Mexico is a new generation uh, cartel uh, led by El Mencho. And, uh, and part of what, what they do is uh, uh, typically on uh, three, uh, the day of the Three Kings, which is the day that the Mexicans or Mexico celebrates uh, the kids getting gifts. A lot of cartel members will go to the schools there and provide give, hand out free toys, and and it's just a, uh, a PR stunt, uh, if you will, just to gain support from the uh, community. That's exactly what they do, and they've they've been doing that for a while. A lot of these cartels they form, uh, they don't come out and tell the public, "Hey, we're announcing that we're a drug cartel." No, they come out and saying, "We're a group forming to protect you, to protect you, and we're going to stop the other." The cartels from extorting you and robbing you and these kind of things. So, you know, they may say some of them may say or or start out that way. I doubt it. But the ones that really do, they actually eventually become what they said they were against, and they start doing the same thing. So, yeah, there's a lot of that uh, publicity, publicity stunt PR, and uh, and uh, the cartels are no exception.
0: Santa Muerte is worshipped for her perceived powers over death.
2: Santa Muerte is, is, is a really hot topic right now, and uh, the issue with Santa Muerte is, uh, you know, first of all, she's not a uh, a Catholic saint, and I spent time talking about that because there's some people out there that try to tie her into the Catholic religion, and, and that is just absolutely not true, the furthest thing from the truth, and Santa Muerte is not even a, a, a real person. Uh, you know, Santa Muerte means holy death. Or saints of, uh, of death and actually in 2004, when I went to Mexico into uh, Culiacan to to do the research on Malverde, that's when I started seeing some uh, shrine for Santa Muerte, and I hadn't seen that in the United States. And uh, and then I even reached out to my law enforcement contacts along the Southwest border, and they hadn't seen her yet. And it didn't take much time before she hit the Southwest border, and then all of a sudden uh, spread throughout the United States, and she's now. Uh, all over the uh, the United States, in my travels around the United States, I, I see statues and prayer cards, candles in different stores, East Coast, West Coast, up there, North Minnesota, <clears throat> and of course the uh, the southern uh, southwest uh, uh, border. But uh, a lot of people uh, uh, believe that uh, she is the angel of death, and others believe that she goes way back to the pre-Christian beliefs of the Aztec god of death, and I kind of agree with that one. And the reason for that is because uh the Aztecs would sacrifice human beings to the Aztec God of death and, and actually what's happening here today uh is um people are sacrificing human beings to Santa Muerte. It's as unbelievable as it sounds, that's actually occurring in Mexico and it's occurring uh here in the United States and I discussed those cases in my in my training and, and see that the, the danger with uh with Santa Muerte as you mentioned earlier when these people uh, are praying or putting hexes on police officers, uh, you know, what they're capable of doing is, is, is what the officers need to be concerned with. Well, here, here's the issue with Santa Muerte, these, these drug traffickers that are uh, committing all the violence that, uh, in addition to the drug trafficking, where they're torturing people, they're beheading people, they're peeling the skin off of their faces, they're cutting their hearts out while they're alive and holding their beating heart in their hands, those people that are doing that and those that are doing that that believe in Santa Muerte, get this, they still believe they're going to go to heaven. And and the reason they believe that is because they believe that as long as they worship Santa Muerte, as long as they give her her gifts, her offerings, uh, and keep her first and foremost in their minds and their hearts and their souls, it doesn't matter that they kill all these people. What matters is that they worship her and she's going to take them to heaven. So now you have... Well, there's no deterrent for these guys because they really, truly believe they are going to go to heaven. And that's what I tell these officers. That just that mindset makes them more dangerous. And the other thing with these cartel members is that they know they're probably not going to live a very long life because of that, the lifestyle that they're living. So they know that. So but that short life that they live, they're going to have a lot of money, a lot of power, a lot of respect. And then the bonus is when they die, they're going to heaven. So that's what we're dealing with, not only in the in Mexico but in the United States, that mindset and that's what can make them uh extremely, extremely dangerous.
0: Drug dealers build shrines under the belief that they will help bring about good fortune.
2: They uh they'll set up the uh the altar, the uh the statues and uh you're you're gonna see food items. There typically you'll see apples, bananas, oranges, uh you'll see uh, candy there. Uh, a lot of them will leave flowers for Santa Morita. I mean, you see bread. In some cases people will actually leave a plate of food uh for her. I've seen that myself. And then uh they'll leave a beverage there for her and typically that could be uh tequila, beer, uh some other type of uh liquor, bourbon, and maybe a, a glass of uh, a glass of water and um that quenches you feed her and you quench her thirst as uh as well and some people believe the water actually uh, she works off of the uh the water it just uh it is able to it, it allows her to, to to work her spiritual uh i guess activity through the uh uh through the, through the water and then sometimes you'll see an owl the bird there the owl has either uh, attached or part of the statue or separate from the statue and that owl is there to guard her to protect Santa muerte some people believe it also represents Santa Muerte's wisdom, and then some people believe the owl actually delivers messages from Jesus Christ uh, back to uh, Santa Muerte, and then they're going to leave money there. Uh, you almost always see money there in, in the form of a loose change, sometimes bills, sometimes a lot of bills. And the money works on the principle—it's an offering—and it works on the principle of bringing money back to them, and then they'll blow, blow smoke on the statue that's a ritual to activate her, to, to, to honor her, to worship her. And that smoke, uh, it can be cigarette smoke, cigar smoke, or marijuana smoke. That's why sometimes you'll actually see that at the uh, at the uh, shrines also, the cigarettes or cigars and or marijuana cigarettes as well.
0: The misinterpreted virtues of St. Jude are an alert for lawmen.
2: One of the patron saints I do want to mention that's actually the most popular legitimate Catholic saint being misused by the cartels and gangs and and that's saint Jude and um saint Jude uh, full name or complete name is saint saint uh, Saint Jude Tadia and in Spanish they call him uh, his name is sanjuras Tadeo well anyway, he is a legitimate Catholic saint Saint Jude was actually one of the original twelve disciples of Jesus, twelve apostles and um, uh, Saint Jude is known as the patron saint of lost causes so Uh, Me as a Catholic or any Catholics, we may call upon St. Jude to pray for us when we're uh, involved in a lost cause or very difficult or desperate situation. Let's say I have a family member in the hospital, the doctor tells me that my family member is not going to live. Well, I pray to Jesus Christ, absolutely I pray to to Jesus Christ, but because I'm Catholic and I know St. Jude is the patron saint of lost causes. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, you know, I make the sign of the cross, I reach out to St. Jude, and, and I'm asking St. Jude to pray for my situation. And this is where a lot of people that are not Catholics have a misunderstanding about the Catholic saints. We're, we're not worshiping the saints, we honor the saints. Glory and honor go to Jesus Christ. We even honor the Virgin Mary, we don't worship her. We only worship God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So uh, I'm praying to, to St. Jude, asking him to pray for my situation. St. Jude is interceding on my behalf and praying to Jesus. If there is a miracle, a miracle does occur. St. Jude or any of the other Catholic saints, they never performed miracles. They had a lot to do because basically they, they, they backed us up. And I tell cops that. When you're, when I'm praying to a saint, it's like I'm calling for backup. Well, that patron saint a long cause. And the reason a lot of the Mexican cartels and gangs pray to St. Jude when they're traveling the highways and byways of the united states with a vehicle loaded with fentanyl or methamphetamine or anything else illegal they perceive that to be a lost cause or at least a very difficult or desperate situation so they're calling upon saint jude to pray for them to help them to protect them from law enforcement so they're misusing uh saint jude and and by training law enforcement officers to recognize that these guys are misusing St. Jude. So many of these officers are basically able to turn St. Jude into their informant when they encounter them. They know what they're being used for, and they're able to detect the criminal activity. So I thought it was important to uh, to mention uh, th- that one.
0: The Santeria religion is also prolific in the drug trades.
2: It's a good question, and 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 I'm glad you asked that question because it's completely... Completely uh, separate. And and actually, Santeria uh, is a religion that I'm actually delving into right now quite a bit. It's actually uh, attending rituals, and I'm learning more about Santeria. But first and foremost, Santeria is a legitimate religion. Uh, It's a legitimate religion. A lot of people don't realize that. But it is a legitimate religion, recognized by the United States Supreme Court in a case that originated out of a city and uh, town in Florida, And the decision came back in 1993, and basically in Florida, these people were practicing their religion, Santeria religion, and they were, as part of the uh, rituals, they sacrificed animals. And the animal control was citing them, eventually led to uh, them being arrested and went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said that, no, it is a legitimate religion, and sacrificing animals as part of the ritual would be acceptable if it's done correctly. Being done correctly means that there are, uh, they cut the jugular on the animal and let it bleed out. They're not chopping off the head right away. They're not uh, cutting off legs or, or slamming the animals against walls, things of that nature. And they don't always sacrifice animals at all the all the rituals. I attended a ritual, Santeria ritual, uh, where it was a music offering where they had a girl that playing the violin to some of these Santeria, orichas is what they're called, santos. Uh, and I've, I've attended the ritual where they sacrifice animals, uh, but they're for a reason. And, and typically when somebody's being initiated into the Tanzidia religion, they're going to sacrifice an animal. But what happens is that after the animals are sacrificed and the uh, ceremony is complete, and they cook the animals and, and they have a meal with the animals. The only time they don't cook the animal is when it's used to uh, in a ritual to remove witchcraft uh, from someone as, as what, what I went through, then that, then of course, you don't want to eat that animal because, uh, it, uh, it contains all the, or did contain all of the witchcraft, uh, in you, but Santeria is a legitimate religion, for, and I know people that practice Santeria, uh, and I talk to them, and that's how I'm learning Santeria, and there's, there's professionals, lawyers, doctors, politicians, police officers, actors, uh, that, uh, practice, uh, Santeria. Uh, unfortunately, just like those that are misusing the, the Catholic religion as far as uh, like the Catholic saints and Jesus Christ, uh, the same thing going on with Santeria. You have criminals that are misusing the Santeria uh, religion for protection from law enforcement for a favorable outcome uh, in court. So it is it is, uh, it is uh, completely different than, uh, uh, than Santa, Santa Muerte.
0: In a twisted interpretation of faith, Gruesome events are justified as religious ceremonies.
2: There's been several uh, in Mexico, uh, and, and one in uh, particular stands out. Is you had this uh, this lady that believes she's a Santa Muerte worshipper. I guess a Santa Muerte priestess, and uh, they would hold prayer services, uh, mass. They would, she would call it a mass for Santa Muerte, and. Uh, so uh, they would. Um, she ordered a couple of people that worked with her to go, abduct some people to make a, a human offering, human being offering to uh, Santa Muerte. So two ten-year-old little boys were abducted and they were, they were brutally murdered and their blood poured on the Santa Muerte statues and, and altars uh, for an offering. So there's been others in in uh, in in Mexico and and one that I investigated in, in Tijuana were. I flew uh, to uh, Tijuana, well actually I flew to San Diego and over to Tijuana and I met with the uh, Mexican, uh, the Tijuana police chief, chief of the Tijuana Police Department. And the reason I was there is because I would received information that they are, had arrested a, uh, a cr- uh, crime group there, a criminal group there, and one of their own members had owed, uh, uh, you know, needed to split some money, like $7,000 between the other three or four people. And uh, he kept blowing them off. They said, oh, I'll get you your money later. And Finally, they got fed up. They abducted him. Uh, they took him to a building and they tied his legs and his arms to the chair, uh, to the chair. And then he, uh, they asked him, where where's our money? And then he finally admitted, look, I'm sorry. I, I, there's no money. I spent it all. I needed it and it's gone. So <clears throat> one of the, uh, I guess, colleagues or members there got a uh, chainsaw, cutting saw. Actually, a cutting saw cut off one of his legs and cuts off another leg, cuts off both of his arms. And then one of the females that was involved there, uh, the last thing she did is she got uh, the the cutting saw, cut off his head, and then she said she took it to Santa Muerte as a sacrifice. So all of this was in some reports that I read, so that's why I went down to talk to the uh, police chief, and he took me over to the homicide commander, Tijuana, who corroborated everything I just told you, and, and said they recovered all the body parts. Uh, and actually, they gave me pictures of, of, of that, the body part that recovered. And then he said, you know, Robert, we never recovered the head. We kept asking her, and her response never changed. Her response was that Santa Muerte uh, had the head. Uh, so those are, are two significant ones in Mexico.
0: The brutality that takes place under the guise of drug saint worship is not limited to south of the border.
2: And of course, there's a couple here <clears throat> Excuse me, in the United States, uh uh, one that really stands out in, in my in my mind is uh, really really sad and and it occurred in the Los Angeles area, Anaheim, California uh, area, and uh, and actually how I found out about that one I received a phone call from a uh, district attorney that had attended one of my trainings in uh, the city of Industry. Oh I don't know a year before she called me and she called me and said, Hey, Robert, I'm I'm going to have. Uh, some homicide investigators call you, they're handling a case, and uh, what we got out here is a six-year-old little boy uh, was brutally stabbed to death, and and the person that did it was his father, and the father said he did it as a sacrifice to Santa Muerte. Uh, so I, w- I was just floored, and, and, and sure enough, the detective called me and told me that's exactly what happened. Uh, uh, little Nathan and his father lived uh, in a little trailer behind a house, and and the father uh, stabbed uh, the son to death. And then uh, he went to the front of the house, and he's on the street, not wearing a shirt, and he's just kind of screaming, hysterical. And anyway, police show up. They see him covered in blood. They go back to the back, and they see a little mason dead, dying, or, or dead, and he eventually died. And then uh, <clears throat> the father uh, did eventually tell the officers he did it. He had to do it as a sacrifice to Santa Muerte. And the uh detective told me they had information that he was uh, visiting a Santa Morte temple in Huntington Park, California. I visit a lot of these places whenever I can and and, and fortunately I, I had visited that one. I said, Well I'm not sure if it's this one. So I sent a picture to the detectives. They went out there and confirmed that the father had been visiting that temple on a regular regular basis, I think almost on a on a daily basis. So we have a six year old little boy. Um they were brutally stabbed to his death as an offering to uh, to Santa Muerte. So that's the one, I think, the most significant one that that stayed with me that I think about. It stays in my mind. Even though I wasn't there, I guess, having been involved in talking to the detectives and the prosecutor and seeing photographs, it just it just stays with me that how somebody can do that. And then I, what I point out when I do talk about that case is that happened here in the United States of America. Another one that stands out that directly involved uh, drug trafficking Occurred in uh, in Chicago, uh, I think, beginning in two thousand and ten. I think there's still one or two defendants that need to go to trial. Uh, but I received a call, <clears throat> excuse me, from a prosecutor there in Cook County about testifying in one of these cases where one of these guys uh, uh, killed three people, slashed uh, their throats, uh, two dead in the trunk, and then another guy slashed dead in the back seat. I went to the DA's office and uh, and I look. I was there probably three or four hours looking at uh, pictures from all the different crime scenes. And basically, you have this group of, of criminal drug traffickers, criminals there in Chicago, and they were known as uh, actually known as the Santa Muerte crew. They were full blown Santa Muerte uh, worshipers, and and what they eventually started doing is setting up drug deals, and then they would meet these uh, the supposed buyers at uh, at uh usually at the victims' homes. And uh, the Santa Muerte crew would show up with things that looked like drugs, like uh, bags of sugar or flour, with a bunch of duct tape on it, that kind of stuff. And and then they would tie up the victim, then slash their throat. They would always slash their throats, and then uh, and then uh, kill them. And um, anyway, in one uh, one particular uh, case, one Chicago PD was on surveillance. Uh, one of the uh, suspects. They see him going to an apartment, and after a while, they see him and somebody else run out of the apartment. So, they follow them. The guy being followed stops, gets out of the car, and starts shooting at the officers. And actually, hits an officer in the leg. The officer survives. The other officer returns fire and killed this guy. So they go back into the apartment, <clears throat> and there's three guys. Both slash two dead, one survived. And then, um, um, anyway, that's where I come in, and, and as I'm looking at these photographs. Seen several people, and I believe it was uh, around 13 or 14 people that they had killed. And these were a horrific crime scenes where they would splash their throats, and they were nearly decapitated. It wasn't just a throat being slashed; they were nearly decapitated. So I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking, man, I feel like I'm looking at stuff that happened in Mexico, and then it, know what's hap- happened right here in Chicago. So I'm looking at the, uh, the the prosecutor wants me to look at the pictures, and one of the victims, home that last case. Where there's two uh, dead and one survived, I see in the victim's home a, a shelf with a bunch of prayer candles. Um, and there were really no close-up photos of the candles. And, and that's why I, I really, really think it's important for homicide investigators to, to be in, in my class, or not my class, another, another class that talked about this stuff. Uh, because I, I, I really believe, you know, we're, we're seeing this, we're seeing more of it. And uh, unfortunately, uh, from the pictures that were taken at that particular crime scene, uh, you can tell that uh, when the scene was being processed, they didn't put a lot of importance on the prayer candle. There were no close-up photos of the candles. Uh, the, from the pictures I could see, I saw your typical uh, Catholic candle there, the Virgin Mary, St. Jude, the Niño de Atocha, I saw uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, so I'm thinking, I don't. And there were some in the back. But I'm thinking, if, in my experience, if there was Santa Muerte there, she wouldn't be in the back. She would be in the foreground, so in the in the front. But interesting, there next to uh, one of the victims who was dead, there, about a foot away from his seat, there were three candle, prayer candles, and those were three Santa Muerte prayer candles. After looking at everything, I told the prosecutor, "Look, I I'm not." This is my opinion, okay? My opinion is those other prayer candles on the shelf belong to the victims. Those three prayer candles on the floor next to a foot away from one of the victims, dead. I believe those Santa Muerte candles belong to the killers, the murderers. And I'm saying we have three victims. We we have three Santa Muerte prayer candles there. So I think these guys killed these guys and at the same time making it an offering to Santa Muerte. And several of these guys had Santa Muerte tattoos. They had Santa Muerte window decals on their cars. They had Santa Muerte uh, shrines with uh, statues and prayer candles in their homes. Um, The first guy that was arrested, he was wearing a Santa Muerte uh, uh, shirt. And again, we had at least 13 or 14 people uh, that had ended up being killed by the Santa Muerte crew.
0: Narco Corridos are songs, ballads, that honor drug trafficking and have become common in pop culture.
2: Narco Corridos are, are, are uh, becoming more and more uh, popular, and that's an area where I'm uh, also doing more research and going to the concerts and, and just uh, uh, doing research. But, you know, before we talk about Narco Corridos, we have to talk about a Corrido. A corrido is, 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 is a narco corrido is actually derived from a corrido. Corrido is a story, a ballad put to music, and these stories go back. These ballads, these corridos, go back to uh, stories about the Mexican Revolution, stories about Pancho Villa, and then uh, and then they uh, they evolve to where now you have a naco corrido, and when you hear naco, that's drugs. So these corridos are stories about drugs, stories about drug trafficking, stories about drug traffickers, stories about drug incidents. So uh, those actually started around 1970 or so, and one of the the first groups to start playing some of these songs, uh, Los Tigres del Norte. These guys are extremely popular, and I want to point out, I think it's very important to point out that Los Tigres del Norte do not only play narco corridos, they play a variety of music. Uh, so and I, I tell these officers to attend my training, that's why you know, you know you're going to have a lot of people there that are not involved in drug trafficking. But they do play uh, Corridos, not Cocorridos. And Los Tigres del Norte have been around a long time. They are extremely popular. They perform all over the United States. They perform in Europe. <laughs> people don't know that. Uh, these guys have been around a long time. I, I call them the, the Rolling Stones of, of Corridos. They've been around forever. I actually went to uh, one of their concerts here in San Antonio in uh, this past March, and I was able to meet the meet uh, the the lead singer. Um, so then they evolved. Now you have a lot of people playing narco Corridos. We're, we're telling stories about drug traffickers, uh, incidents, and another popular one was Charlene Sanchez. Mm-hmm who was from Culiacan, and he performed just about every weekend in Los Angeles, or the Los Angeles uh, uh, area, and uh, unfortunately one one time uh, when he was in Culiacan and he left the concert, uh, him and his entourage pulled over with what looked like uh, to be a police car, and police officers get out. They looked like police officers and showed their badges and said their commander wanted to talk to him, so he got in the car, no big deal. Well, the next day they found him with two bullet holes in the back of his head, and I talk about that case and a lot of other not cocoridom musicians that have been killed and there's a lot of different reasons for that. And I get into more detail in my in my uh in my training uh, uh that I put on and we actually had one that was killed in Mission uh Texas that actually uh, involved uh in one way or another a corrupt sheriff out there and I, I, I talk about that uh case as well. So then now uh, have yeah, your narco corrido. Well, now that evolves to uh, a step higher now, where it's called uh, movimiento alterado. Movimiento alterado is like disturbed movement, altered movement. <clears throat> and those lyrics are, are more graphic. Those lyrics, they're singing. It's music. <clears throat> they're singing, and they're talking about cutting people's heads off. They're talking about mowing people down with ak forty seven. Uh, grenades, bazookas, and it put the music. So I think it's important for officers to know about this music and who's performing the music and the concerts. And again, again, it's very important that to know that uh, not just La Figa, de Norte, but all these other groups that perform these songs uh, are, are uh, not necessarily involved in drug trafficking. I say not necessarily because I have information that some of them are, uh, or at least supportive of some of the drug cartels. So, but the most important thing is, knowing is that uh, just because people listen to Narco Purrido doesn't make them a drug, uh, a drug trafficker. And that's where we're at right now. Now, the other thing, too, is, is the, uh, uh, you may have people that are wanted, cartel members that attend the Narco Purrido concert. So just trying to get uh, law enforcement to open their eye and, and see these things in a different light and, and, and see, you know, the possibility of... Uh, of uh, this being related to drug trafficking in their area. And that's why I added that to my, my class and I spent a lot of time uh, uh, doing research on that. Naco Corrido music is actually banned in Mexico. Cannot play Naco music in Mexico and if uh, performance perform out there, they're being monitored and they're playing their songs, they're fine. fined. Uh, some famous groups have been fine, including Los Tigres del Norte, they can't play, play naco corrido music on the on the music station, radio station. That's why a lot of these people, that these groups that make these songs, uh, they come out on YouTube first, and all of a sudden they're getting hundreds and thousands and millions of hits. And a lot of these uh, musicians, they actually record their songs in the United States. With a lot of them, or if not most of them, being recorded in in Los Angeles. And then uh, they become popular, and then you have all these different promoters throughout the United States with these uh, nightclubs where they have uh, a lot of uh, Mexicans, Hispanics hanging out there, and they travel throughout the United States, and uh, so they're extremely popular here in the United States.
0: Just last week, the son of El Chapo was captured by the police and then rescued by cartel sicarios after a vicious gun battle young Chapo was seen wearing jewelry honoring a narco-patron saint.
2: And it was a recent case, and I'm sure you're familiar with it, everybody's familiar with it, and that's what happened in Culiacán, uh, where they uh, arrested uh, one of the sons of Chapo Guzmán, Orvidio uh, Guzmán, and he's under arrest, and the cartels came over, and uh, he was released. Uh, and I know you're familiar with that, but, but one of the uh, pictures, photographs of, of Chapo's son, is he's wearing a couple of uh, like medallions, and, and one of them is one of the patron saints that I talk about, and that's Nino de Atocha. So I discuss him in my training uh, as well. So a lot of these uh, high-ranking cartel members are, are using the things that I talk about in my training.
0: Robert is a devout Christian. His research and investigation of drug-trafficking saints is risky to his safety and conflicting with his true spiritual identity, but also valuable to officer safety. Robert relies on his faith and family as he serves God's purpose to expose evil.
2: Jay, I'm gonna use the line you told me before when I go into these places in Mexico and these temples and shrines, and I think it goes something like dangerous boys go to dangerous places. I think I've heard that before. <laughs> well anyway, I'm not saying these places are dangerous. I I you know, actually if they were dangerous. I you know, I I I probably, probably wouldn't go. Yeah, you know, I, I know exactly what you're saying, and and I and I think it is because of my belief in, in Jesus and God, and 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 of course being a Catholic saint, my belief in the in the Catholic saints. But first and for, uh, foremost, the glory and honor goes to Jesus Christ. Uh, so when I when I go to these places, uh, I'm in dark places, no doubt about it. I'm in dark places, and I've been to some uh, dark places, especially in Mexico. And one particular place I went to where I, I actually felt it, I felt it there. I felt, uh, I'm going to be, just come out and say it, I felt demons there. Uh, But, you know, fortunately, uh, in darkness, uh, Jesus is always the light. And and I think that's what, I don't think, I I really believe that's what helped me do that. And then the other thing, too, is that when I'm doing this, uh, I think, I I really believe that uh, this is not a job. This is a mission. And I really believe this is something God wants me to do. This is... Uh, you know, God stands for, for goodness, Jesus stands for goodness, for justice. And and I, I really believe that Jesus uh, doesn't like or not happy with criminals that are praying to him and, and Catholic saints for protection from law enforcement. Uh, and or I really believe the Catholic saints also feel the same way. And, uh, and I believe this is something that I just need to do. And, and when I get feedback from officers at this training, uh, enhance their safety i mean there's nothing better than that knowing that you know maybe maybe the training had something to do with, with helping that officer go home last night when they tell me that and then when i get feedback from officers saying that the training helped them make a case and find a lot of drugs or drug money or other are exposed other criminal activity uh that motivates me to, to to continue doing it uh the other thing too i do i do and i and i've done before i go into uh, Mexico, Mexico. I get blessings from a priest, a priest friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Father Arturo, in uh, in El Paso. And uh, I've actually had a blessing from uh, an exorcist who attended my training in in, uh, in California. I've had a blessing from the Bishop Mark there in uh, in El Paso. Uh, so uh, I, this is just something that I feel that I need to do, and, and just always keeping in mind that wherever there's darkness, there's there's the light of Jesus there, and uh, I mean i'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep doing this and I, I thank God every day for the uh, the energy, the strength to continue doing this, uh, the research and the training and and i wanna I wanna do this as as long as uh, I think God Jesus uh, wants me to do this as long as I think it's it's productive and it's a good results. Uh, i I have a passion for it. just like you have a passion for what you did all your career and you still have a passion for what you're doing. I have a passion, I have a fire in me. Uh you know the eye of the tiger and and I'm just gonna i'm gonna keep doing it, and I enjoy it and 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 I still get to hang out with cops and I love that family has everything to do uh with it. You mentioned Janet, yeah, she's uh, been by my side uh you know throughout my career, you know hey, I'm gonna work narcotics she was she was never against it she was always supportive of what I wanted to you know whatever you wanna do, you know what she worried, of course, any wife would be worried but very supportive of, of uh, you know, anything I want to do, going to Mexico and, and doing research and stuff like that, attending these concerts. Yeah, she, you know, doesn't tell me to do it, but she, you know, supports that, knows that that's something I want to do, and she knows that some good comes out of it. And and I got to tell you, uh, I, I uh, quite frankly, have never given her enough uh, credit. And, you know, uh, all the glory and honor goes to Jesus Christ, and a lot of uh, credit goes to Janet being always being there supporting me. And then... And then my kids, you know, my family, and and uh, yeah, there's there's no doubt that has a big uh, a big part to do with with what I'm doing, what I've been able to do, and what I'm doing, and and then also uh, many successes that anybody says I had in my career, that was all due to the people I was surrounded with, uh, the people that loved to work and were dedicated and loyal, and and wanted to do the right thing. You know, they made me look good. I'm talking about when I was a supervisor, they made me look good, and. Uh, and and actually the, the, the what I'm doing right now, the training is because of the work they did and and I gotta give my thanks to them, especially the, the heroes that I work with there in our and the El Paso Police Department, uh and patrol all the patrol officers, the uh, the backbone of the department and then all the narcotic detectives, uh those are those are, are the heroes and, and my hat's off to them because they're still doing uh they're still doing uh, God's work. Me and, and my kids, uh uh, you know, we had three. Uh, we have two now. One passed away. Uh, we have our, our daughter and our son, and, and they're both professionals. And, you know, they are uh, my legacy. They're the legacy, and, and I consider them. And not not so much because they're a successful professionals, the doctors, the lawyers. That doesn't matter. It really doesn't. They're doing what they want to do, not what I wanted to do. And everybody has to do something. And. And your kids don't have to be doctors and lawyers; they just have to be good people, and 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 that's what I'm most proud of. They really are, truly are good good people with good hearts, and 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 that's all you can ask for. It doesn't matter what they do in, in, life. And then and then also throughout my career, uh, uh, I I really have to attribute all my my accomplishments to the support of my family, especially Janet, uh, and 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 also uh, the the support and and the work goes that work side by side with me the El Paso Police Department, especially those that worked with me in, in, uh, in narcotics. So, again, it wasn't anything, one thing uh, or a combination of things that I did. I just, just being blessed by having the right, uh, the right people uh, around me. And I, I think that, that that's what it's going to be.
0: Robert has a single yet patriotic regret.
2: This is a regret I have, and there's nothing I can do about it. But here's the regret I have. If I had to go back, um, I really wish that I was joined the military. That's the regret I have is that I didn't serve my country in the military. Uh, and I had a lot of admiration and respect for all those heroes that served in the military, that continue to serve in the military. And that if I could do one thing different, I wish I would have served in the military a couple of years. So as far as regrets, I, I, I think that would be that would be it. I still hang out with military people because a lot of them attend my training. National Guard people, but also active uh, military uh, that attend my training. So I'm honored to have them in my class and, and get to rub elbows with those heroes. But uh, that's the only uh, uh, regret I, I, I have that I could change. But other than that, uh, regret, uh, I will not call them regrets, mistakes. Yeah, we've all made mistakes. We move on, try not to repeat those uh, mistakes and uh, and just move, uh, move forward. Life is short, man. Got to keep going.
0: Robert's words of wisdom are encouraging to everyone. Persevere through life's setbacks.
2: Yeah, and, and I and I would say knowing you, Jay and what you've been through and I've been through a lot of stuff is uh, uh you're gonna get knocked down. You know, you and I have been knocked down and, and 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 it sounds easy, but get up. You know, get up. Sometimes it's hard to get up. Sometimes it's gonna take you longer to get up. That happened to me, especially when I went through some tough times with the marshals and and basically, you know, believe the you know uh, the right thing didn't happen, uh, but you're going to get knocked down, and 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 it may be wrong. A lot of times it's wrong; it shouldn't have happened, and the right thing doesn't always happen. But you get knocked down, you 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 get up, and there's something else. Uh, a door closes. I really believe there's another door that's going to open. And that that happened to me. That happened to you. And then prayer. You just keep praying, and and. When I'm going through tough times, I, I pray. That's when people pray the hardest, when they're going through tough times. And I pray and I pray and I pray. And, and there, there is going to be uh, life goes on. And it can be good. And in my case right here, I'm in a happy place right now. I feel I'm being productive. Life is good. But the bottom line, very simple. You are going to get knocked down. Don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. Get up. And again, it's sometimes, I'm not saying I got up right away all the time. Sometimes it took me a while, but get up. Just get up. Just always remember that. Get knocked down. Get up.
0: There is no one with greater expertise on the patron saints of the Mexican underworld than Robert Almonte. His law enforcement training programs are always in high demand as he travels the U.S. and internationally to educate lawmen on the often unseen and unknown dangers they encounter when dealing with drug traffickers. His program can be adapted to any group or organization interested in his message. Robert is visible on all forms of social media, and more can be found at his website for Almonte Consulting and Training at www.robertalmonte.com. Copland is produced for those courageous men and women whose alarm clock goes off every day. They put their feet on the ground, buckle on gear, and kiss their families goodbye with no guarantee they will ever come home. They go willingly, facing predators and violence on behalf of good and innocent people who simply want to live safe, peaceful lives. Thank you for listening. God bless, and go be amazing.